Thank you. Thank you, Gail. God's gracious help and well-being, grace and peace to each one of you. I extend my love to you. Welcome. It's good to be here, gathered together physically and, and online for our community. What a week. What a beautiful week. What a gift. Um, and I hope this has been a good week for you, a week of bridge building, perhaps a week of good relationships, a relational week. So, is this a special day? This is the Sunday after Election Day. Well, the Sunday after Election Day is not a special Sunday in the church year. This is not Pentecost Sunday. This is not Easter Sunday. It's not the Sunday after Christmas. It's not a Sunday during Advent or Lent um, or during the Easter time. But every Sunday is special because it's Jesus' Resurrection Day. And it's a special day today because we get to bask in reality just like we've enjoyed the sunshine, we get to bask in reality today. We've been exposed to a lot of unreality recently. And at times, uh, this unreality can become very seductive, very enticing. But we're not going to go there today. We're going to focus on reality. And reality is that we have a living and real God and a Savior from heaven who loves us and who we're prepared to meet and the Holy Spirit who brings gifts and uh, uh, virtues, spirit fruit, helps us practice mercy and justice, and brings Jesus into you know, our lives. So this is uh, a special day. Now, when we say we have a living God, this isn't anything new for you, is it? You remember last week? Joshua said, when they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, now you're going to know that among you is a living God. So that's nothing new. But our First Thessalonians text also helps us live into this reality of a living God. So let's begin with prayer. Holy Spirit, please be present uh, with us. Bring peace and healing and joy. Uh, help us to hear your word today, uh, your word about reality. We claim this space for you. Please, please be present to help us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we also have a special text today. 1 Thessalonians is the first book written in the New Testament. It was written about 50. Paul and his team visited Thessalonica in Greece in 49. Uh, they stayed there three weeks. And there was disturbance because their proclamation that there was another God besides the emperor, especially a God who had been crucified by a Roman procurator, and he was now said to be alive, that was sinister. That was dangerous and ridiculous. And for some God-fearers, 
uh, the concept of a suffering Messiah, a Messiah who died, would have been untenable, uh, hard to uh, accept. So there was disturbance, and Paul and Silas had to leave after three weeks. And they went to Corinth, and Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on things. It's three weeks long enough to start a church. Well, Timothy came back with some good news. And when Paul heard this good news, he wrote this letter from Corinth where he had an 18-month ministry. Now, Thessalonica is kind of in central Greece. It was a port city. It still is. But it was a Roman province then. And then on a good day, um, you could see Mount Olympus from the background. Now, do you know who dwelled on Mount Olympus? Uh, the Greek gods dwelt on Mount Olympus. And these were all extended family of Zeus. The Romans called uh, this person Jupiter. There are 12 main ones. And that's where they uh, lived. Now, they were myths, weren't they? Jesus was a, an historical person. Now, these were myths and stories, but there's more to it than that. Uh, St. Cyprian writes, uh, he, he's a third century martyr, he wrote about, uh, about idols. He said, associated with these image deities, there are unclean spirits at work. And I think we understand how that uh, how that could be. Worship of these Greco-Roman gods was intersected with civic religion. Demonstration of loyalty to the emperor was important in this community. There was a temple dedicated to Caesar and coins were minted featuring the heads of the Caesars. So this emperor or civic cult defined patriotism and secured the public welfare, you know, success. Oaths of allegiance were required Caesar was referred to as a savior. The idea of another king and kingdom was politically hazardous. Another king named Jesus? A savior who is Christ the Lord? Come on. So dual citizenship, the rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's was their reality and also our reality. But on a positive note, even in the face of ostracism, mob activity, legal proceedings, and even killings, there is joy in these Christian communities. Early Christian communities were intriguingly deviant and attractive, as Alan Kreider describes them. For those in cults, there was the possibility of another lifestyle, a living God, a living God at work, released from addictions and immorality, unclean spirits submitted, Miracles, inclusion, and service to others. Social hierarchies were overridden. Men, women, children, slaves, poor and rich are one in Jesus. Mutual aid, going to prison to visit people, giving burial, rescuing infants. Miracles of power. These are realities. This was a reality community. So what is at stake in this text? At stake is will the good news survive in Thessalonica? And Rhonda, do you have the Apostle Paul icon uh, there? Yes, there it is. I, I like this icon. This is a picture of, this is an icon of Apostle Paul. I like his face. It, it's kind of serious. It suggests that um, not everything in life may be happy, but 
real. It's real. I like the expression there. Apostle Paul. So let's begin. I, I'd like you to take your insert, please. First um, Thessalonians. Now this is what Mark was talking about. This is the greeting, bridge-building relationship. Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. By means of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We're listening in on a first century letter, and this is the salutation of an ancient letter. Peace here includes the meaning of shalom from the Hebrew Bible. This rich greeting brings together believers from various backgrounds. God fears Jews, Greeks. Let's continue with our text. We always give thanks to God for all of you while making mention of you in our prayers, constantly remembering your manifestation of faith and labor of love and your steadfastness of expectation or hope that is based on our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, while knowing, sisters and brothers, who have been cherished by God, your selection, that the good news from us did not come to you by word only, but also in power and by the Holy Spirit and with much certainty, since you know what sort of persons we have become for you on account of you. So this is the beginning of the thanksgiving section of a letter. Give thanks is the verb. Making, remembering, and knowing are participles that go along with the verb. So Paul says we give thanks, remembering your manifestation, making mention uh, of you and your prayers, and knowing uh, sisters and brothers who have been cherished by God, your selection. So Paul is giving thanks. Faith, love, and hope, or expectation, are mentioned at the beginning of this letter, giving structure to this letter. These virtues are based on Jesus, God's love, and the Holy Spirit. Good news here is a beautiful word, euangelion, from which we get our words angel and evangelist, God's messengers, the message. The same verb, same word in verb form in Luke 4.18, Jesus' sermon, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Good news has come to Thessalonica through messengers who were examples. This was a real event, a visit, powerful visit by the Holy Spirit. And this is the type of visit that we anticipate from our Colombian friends, our partners, loved ones. Let's continue, verses 6 to 8. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord after being open to the word in much distress with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all those who are believing in Macedonia and in Achaia. From, for, for from you, the gospel of the Lord has rung out, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your trust, which is toward God and God's direction, has gone out, so that we have no need to say it or talk about it. Word and gospel here are the same word, logos, or the believers faced social and political distress because of their allegiance to Jesus. Yet, through the Holy Spirit, there was joy. Achaia is the province below Macedonia, which included Corinth and Athens. The word or gospel of the Lord Jesus, the gospel is Jesus, it's about Jesus, has rung out, sounded forth, even into Achaia. And their trust toward or with God has also gone out. This ringing out is an accomplished fact, well known, and has present importance. 
The verb translated has rung out is used only here in the New Testament. This means sounded forth. The image I've chosen this morning is a bell, a good metaphor for the gospel about Jesus. A metaphor is a way of expressing reality. This is the Wadsworth Bell on the Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary campus. This bell is rung out, is rung to honor persons when they die, other uses as well. This bell is real. We think of the bell in the gospel. This bell is real, beautiful, and strong. It calls our attention to a reality of a living God. The tone gets our attention and brings comfort and order and hope. It's true. We have a painting uh, of the Angelus. Uh, this is a beautiful picture. I like this. We used to have this painting in our home. You see these are a couple out in the field. Uh, you see the church in the background. The bell is ringing in the afternoon. They're praying the hours, pausing to pray. Finally, let's finish our text. For they tell about us what sort of acceptance we enjoyed with you and how you turned to God from image deities to serve God who is living and real and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom God raised up from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the judgment which is coming. So we are prepared, as Gail said. We are prepared expecting and noticing Jesus. This last sentence is a summary of salvation, the good news. We expect Jesus whom God raised up. This may be the oldest written testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. So this is a special text. A God who is living and real, genuine, authentic, true. Heaven reflects Paul's worldview in this age of our age of powerful telescopes which show black holes and jesting stars, and knowing that our solar system is a minuscule part of our Milky Way galaxy, and that there are billions of galaxies, we keep in mind that we are part of a spiritual reality greater than we can ever imagine. Jesus' rescuing, delivering happens now, not just in the future for these Thessalonians and for us, and judgment is ongoing and imminent. The good news, the gospel for us today, is that we turn from unreality to obey a God who is alive and real, a God who does marvelous things, and we wait for God's Son who was raised from the dead. This is reality. Finally, how can we change because of this text? How can we be transformed? How can we respond? Let me come back to this final sentence. And how you turn to God from image deities to serve God who is living and real and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised up from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the judgment which is coming. This is the gospel of the Lord. God is living and real, genuine and authentic, and we expect Jesus to be present with us. Jesus is one who cares about us. 
Our goal this morning is that by the Holy Spirit, this gospel of the Lord will ring out from us also, like a bell. We will be an exemplary community, reality community, an example like the Thessalonians. How can this happen during this time? I have two points I'd like to make. First, for ourselves, be aware of and turn from image deities. Put away the foreign gods. Idols like Zeus, Dionysius, the emperor, seductive unreality, and our goals at times, which can be gods. No Greek, I'm not an authority on Greek or Roman gods, but I don't think any of them were ever interested in the welfare of ordinary people, especially poor, orphans, widows, immigrants, the oppressed. None of these idols or the unclean spiritual realities behind them had the best interests of persons in mind. None could give persons hearts of flesh rather than stone. None could give life abundant. None would have suffered and died carrying our sins in their bodies to the cross. They exude seductive unreality, a life of escapism. These gods appealed to many. I invite you this morning, invite us to turn our trust toward the real living God and turn to God from our goals and idols, from seductive, unreal messages, and walk with a rescuer, a savior who is alive and present. Secondly, we have a living and loving God, so we must focus on living persons. I have a tendency to be goal-focused. Since I may have fall work, I would like to get done. A living God means I need to focus on living people, including myself. Some things will not get done. We have church goals, too. This pandemic gives us a chance to wait on the Lord for renewed strength and to think of persons. Linda Shelley and her Hope Around the World video, we're going to listen to that someday. We're going to come back to that for a moment in mission. She says, our richness lies in our relationships with people. Deb and I this week had the opportunity to meet with our, it was such a sunny day, we um, had a chance to meet with our neighbor. She, I think, is 90 at least. Uh, she said she's only been out and around four times since January. She has some respiratory issues. So what a blessing to have that time Anymore, when I take a walk or ride my bike, it takes me a long time because I stop and talk to people. So maybe a person who's lost his father, walking his dogs. I talk to people, and like in Kroger's, I started talking to this person who supervised the checkout area. Deb and I had a lot of groceries, and I like to check out. And, and I said, well, we forgot our bags to bring. But I said, it's okay to get some of these plastic bags. She said, yeah, you can use them to line garbage cans. I said, yeah, you can also use them to turn them inside out. I said, I've been trapping mice. You can turn them inside out and pick up the trap and the mouse and throw it in the trash. She said, oh, no, I would never kill anything. Um, uh, I said, do you have mice? Uh, no. Do you have a cat? Uh, well, she said, I'd never kill anything. And I said, well, yeah, we had a little mouse that run, runs around the family room, and I almost named it it's almost like a pet, you know. And she, she said well, when she was in, the, in an apartment, she had a mouse like that. 
And uh, during the winter, she fed it uh, crackers and, uh, and uh, uh, peanut butter. And in the spring and the summer, she shooed it outside. She said, I did have a cat lying on the couch. The cat was afraid of mice. So, um, so here's are two very different approaches to mice, hers and mine. And I bet that we even voted for different people. But who cares? This conversation was upbuilding. It was good. Uh, so this, you know, we can take time to, uh, for people. We've had some labors of love and uh, past Sundays here, the comforters and dresses that were made. This is part of our sounding forth the good news of caring for persons as a congregation. Jesus is a Savior that loves us as ordinary humans. And as part of his community, Jesus' gospel can sound forth in our relationship, our labors of love. So this week, as you plan, as we plan our days, we will think of people. What is of God will get done in amazing ways. We may suffer at times and be stretched thin. That is part of discipleship. Relationship should be primary. Jesus calls us to this, to people. And we turn to God from image deities, from unreality, from our goals, from seductive, uh, enticing unreality, to serve a living and real God and to expect Jesus' presence each day. The gospel of the Lord rings out from us. And when we graduate from AMBS, we get a bell too. This is Wadsworth Bell. It is true. It is real. It rings out. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for this letter we also receive with joy and gladness from the Holy Spirit. For this church, that more Mennonite church, for the Thessalonian church, manifestations of trust, labors of love, and steadfastness of hope based on you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, give us power to turn from idols, to serve a living and real God, and turn toward and serve each other, to serve persons. The gospel, the message of the Lord, will ring out from us also. Amen. We will go directly into communion. Uh, the juice is in your pews. If ever, anyone does not have that, Mark will. If uh, everyone have uh, the juice, Mark will pass it out. You should have bread as well. We can pass that out. So we pause. We breathe in the Holy Spirit, God's love. We remember our imperfections. We know we are forgiven. No, we have a Savior from heaven, the Holy Spirit, who brings joy. We enter communion with the confident expectation of Jesus' presence. Jesus saves us from the judgment that is here and coming. We proclaim reality, which is a Savior who was arrested by temple police on Holy Thursday and executed on the next day. We are not ashamed, for we know Jesus is the wisdom and power of God. 
God's love, God's victory over sin. At the Passover meal in the upper room, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. He said to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Jesus brings his disciples and us back to the reality of Passover, God's glorious deeds. When our beloved, the risen Christ, was eating at the table with the disciples, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The risen Christ welcomes us to this feast. Let's pray together a prayer of consecration. O living and real God, our communion celebration in our lives are all about you, about your gracious help, your genuine love for us. You work in all situations for good. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. We as a faith family are one body in you and members of one another. Together we seek to enter your royal reign. As your body was nourished and warmed by bread and wine, so your life is implanted in us, and you live in us through the Holy Spirit as we receive these gifts. Holy Spirit, come upon the bread that we break and the cup that we share and upon us. Grant forgiveness, cleansing, and release of our sins as we release those who have wronged us. Carry those who grieve, comfort those of us dealing with disability and weakness. Bring release from anxiety and fear. Make us a community of reality and joy. Bless our labors of love. Give us steadfastness of expectation. Keep us prepared to welcome Jesus. Help us live peaceably with all as far as it depends on us. Enable us to love with genuineness and sincerity. Give us power to turn to you, God, from seductive, unreal deities. To serve you living and real and to expect Jesus from heaven, raised up from the dead, the one who rescues us from the judgment which is coming. For I received from the Lord that I also handed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Give thanks for the bread. God of all goodness, we give you thanks for this bread. Thank you for walking with us, feeding us, and comforting us. Our hearts burn within us as we hear Jesus' words. Death could not hold him. He stands here among us and comforts us, saying, Peace be with you. In the breaking and sharing of this bread and cup, we recognize the one who loves and gives everlasting life to all. Jesus is among us. We partake or share bread together, the bread of life. In the same way he took the cup, also after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God of love, your faithfulness roots our lives, holding us with patience and grace. Thank you for this cup of Christ, blessed by earth, hand, and heaven. May your spirit satisfy us with this cup, quenching the thirst of our bodies, minds, and spirits. We partake together the cup of salvation. post-communion prayer. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who rescues your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. We bless you, O God, for your healing love and your gift of salvation, for your gracious gifts of bread and cup. We bless you for nourishing us in the genuine love of this community and for sustaining us in hope, sustaining us in hope. And we pray for your strength to prepare us for your service as we offer to you our lives of worship and witness in the world you have made. <clears throat> 